Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome back, everybody. It's Arthur Staple. You're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Just want to remind you, this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Flying solo this week uh, between guest co-hosts. We had a great time with Michael Grabner, always speaking his mind um, and uh, offering up some funny stories. You can always... Uh, reflect back on his views on breakaways since I know lots of Islander fans are wondering what the deal was with grabs and his breakaways. And he basically wanted to tell you all they're not as easy to get as you think. And they're not as easy to score on as you think. So um, it was a fun time with him in October. We've got some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, certainly for uh, next week when uh, my Islanders book, a hundred things to know about and do with the Islanders before you die. Uh, for Islander fans will be out next week, and we're going to have someone uh, that I think everyone will really enjoy join the show uh, to talk about some some great Islanders history and some great current Islanders information. So we'll save that for next week and the week after. This week we'll kind of recap since we have we've only had one game in the last uh, eight days, I guess, for the Islanders. That was a a shootout loss in Nashville. Um, they sit at three two and two. Play a couple of three games in four nights this weekend. Montreal, Winnipeg, Minnesota. Montreal is really struggling. Winnipeg, not doing too bad. Minnesota, not doing too bad. Um, and really, it's been a long stretch of just Islanders practices at uh, at Northwell, um, which could benefit them. Certainly, some of their some of their guys so far through seven games. I just wanted to kind of take a little bird's eye view of what we've got so far. I'd say on the positive side, um, what we've seen from Ilya Sorokin has been really encouraging not that it's uh, a surprise by any means but this is a guy who certainly wasn't going to get this number of starts if Semyon Varlamov had been healthy from the start of the season but the Islanders proceeded with extreme caution with Varlamov's uh, knee injury that had lingered uh, from last offseason into the summer um, so they felt comfortable giving Sorokin a run wasn't great in the first two games nothing was great in the first two games do need to point out that Carolina and Florida still haven't lost in regulation. Carolina's completely undefeated in Florida, I think, has one overtime or shootout loss, shootout loss, I think, in Boston recently. 
So um, those two stinkers uh, you can throw on the pile with a lot of other teams that, have made, that Carolina and Florida have made look bad. But since then, 3-0-2, a lot of that, um, thanks to Sorokin, um, you know, two shutouts last week. He was the third star of the week. Um, should have had a third shutout against the Hawks. They were about 30 seconds away from that one. And I just think in general – his attitude, which uh, I wrote about last week that, you know, Barry Trotz talks about, he's kind of like got this sort of like childlike innocence to him. He's a funny guy too. And and I think the fans who get to watch the Zooms uh, that we do with the, with the players uh, that the Islanders put out on their social accounts, even struggling with the language sometimes, you can see that Sorokin is, um, is a very um, kind of happy-go-lucky guy. He's got a real um, he's really serious about his his craft, but I think in general his his outlook and his attitude is uh, is pretty light and sunny, which is a bit rare for goalies. He's you know you don't always run across goalies that are the most cheerful people. Um, they're an intense group, but I think what you've seen from Sorokin is what a lot of people who watch the international game saw from him in his years in the KHL. That um, you know he's he's got a he's got kind of a uh, a playful personality, but a very serious uh, attitude in the net. And I think uh, the way that he's played through these games and starting him in Nashville seemed to be the right call. You know, it seemed like Barry Trotz was leaning that way. It wouldn't surprise me to see him go again in Montreal uh, on Thursday, just because the starting point for Semyon Varlamov is going to be a bit of a, a, a bit of rust. Um, you know, he's been practicing fully for, for quite a while, but he still hasn't played a game. So uh, there's no real time to ease him into it. Um, Varlamov is clearly going to play one of those weekend games against Winnipeg or Minnesota. I would imagine they're not going to tax Varlamov right away with either, you know, a Thursday, Sunday or Thursday, Saturday starts. Uh, could be wrong on that, but my guess is Sorokin goes in Montreal and then they see how that goes and we'll see what the split is for the weekend. But you will see Semyon Varlamov in there. And having said that, Ilya Sorokin, probably the number one star of this first month of the Islander season. Some other good, uh, players to note. Oliver Wallstrom leading the team in goals with four. Um, you know, his his training camp was was not great. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit, and I've written about it a little bit. You know, Barry Trotz was was pretty pointed in pointing out that he needed to see more from Wallstrom in the in the preseason and in the games, but this is still a 21-year-old guy. He doesn't, doesn't turn 22 for a few more months. Um, and he's still figuring it all out. You know, he's he's a another quirky personality um, for the youngest guy on the team. And I think it just works for him. You know, it's a funny thing with coming into a camp with such a veteran team that's all business all the time. I think maybe it made him stand out a little bit more for his, you know, needing to get up to speed. But he's gotten up to speed. And I think uh, a couple of the goals he scored, you know, particularly the the power play one um, against the Predators was – you know, this is a guy who who can deliver in the offensive zone on the power play from distance. Um, it's been a while since they've had a guy like that, and uh, you know, it's it's just exciting. He doesn't have to be that player every shift, and I think he's starting to understand that that there are shifts you're not going to create a great scoring chance or have an awesome opportunity to score a goal. And I think that's helped his game too. So um, you know, maybe training camp and preseason stuff just isn't for him, and he can turn it on when the lights come on and. Uh, that's okay to have too. I'm sure there's been some prolific goal scorers in the history of the NHL who've been able to do that. So Wallstrom, I think, uh, deserves some notice. And, uh, you know, Matthew Barzell, um, 
looks as good as he's looked. He's drawn a lot of penalties too, which I think may you know you wonder if that's early season if they're you know the referees tend to settle into a routine of of calling things early and then maybe pulling back a little bit as the season gets into the, kind of the grinding month after month. But I think the way that Barzal's playing combined with a little bit more emphasis on the cross checks, uh, which he does get a few of when he's weaving in, in and out of uh, traffic in the offensive zone, should help get them some power plays, whether they convert on them is another story. But uh, but he's been he's been kind of in attack mode. You know, he, he went a few games without getting an assist, which is rare for him. But um, uh, up there with three goals, uh, you know, I think you've seen a lot of good stuff from him too. And, uh, you know, I think he – some of the the more uh, maligned Islander players from the first couple of weeks who have started to put their games back together, uh, Josh Bailey playing now with Barzell and Anders Lee, had a rough start, um, I'm sure, by anyone's admission. He just he didn't seem to be in the flow of things, but uh, but he's up there leading the team in points. Um, Anthony Beauvillier, I think, is, uh, has, has put together a good string of games as well after a bit of a rough start. Um, so I think those two guys now playing on separate lines have, uh, have kind of helped stabilize a bit of that top six. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a, certainly an up and down start for the team, but, uh, but some of the guys, some of the key guys are trending up, which I think is a good sign. And it's a bit unfortunate that they've gone so long between games here that uh, you'd want to see those guys out on the ice more. I feel like that Nashville game uh, was a game the Islanders should have won in regulation. They were, Pretty dominant. UC Saros was good, but there was a lot of attacking. There was a lot of play in the offensive zone. There were a lot of scoring chances, especially off the rush. They did convert twice on the power play, but uh, felt like they they deserved a better fate in that one. And uh, you know, kind of an accidental goal off a shin pad to tie it late, and then a really ugly overtime, which we'll get into uh, in the next segment, um, led to kind of an eh, shootout. So you know, there's aspects of the Islanders game that always need a little bit of time to get going in the Barry Trotz era. First, it's five on five and defensive zone play. Maybe they're getting a little better at that. Then it's a bit of scoring. Special teams also getting better at that. Three on three overtime shootout. We haven't seen a lot of those and those are still a little bit rough. So uh, we'll get into, uh, in a few seconds here, we'll get into um, some things that we haven't loved so far that have gotten a lot of attention on social media. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we've highlighted some of the positives, which I think are kind of growing as the Islanders have gotten better on their five-game point streak. Um, There's been some negatives, that's for sure. And starts with a guy uh, who I think is very beloved and was – when he when he signed very late in the offseason, it was an exciting 
thing for Islander fans and for the organization to see him come back. But Zdeno Chara's game has been difficult to watch, I think is the way to put it. And, um, you know, I was texting with uh, a former coach who was watching that Islanders Nashville game. And he just said, like, I haven't seen this team play yet this year. It's like, like, and all the, the next text was no stride, um, which I think when you watch Chara, it just looks like he's, he's not able to, to kind of quick react and, and, you know, stretch the way that he's always used that big stride. He's obviously the biggest guy in the history of the NHL. So, um, he just looks a little bit less mobile than he used to be. And at age 44, it makes sense, but you can't allow for age when you still need the guy to play 18 or 19 minutes a night, which is really how the Islanders are using him. Barry Trotz defended Chara again today, as you'd expect him to. Um, you know, feels like his, his, his underlying numbers have gotten better. The public data, which is not the data the Islanders use, uh, is not good. He's one of the, one of the lowest rated regular defenseman in the league, whether it comes to expected goals, which I believe is under 40%, which is not good for someone who's playing a lot of five-on-five minutes. Um, The actual goals, also not good. And, you know, you you can't always single out one guy for mistakes. But on that that tying Nashville goal, Chara's stick either broke or he dropped it. Um, I'm still not sure which. And uh, it took him a little while to get another one. And it just seemed like he wasn't really sure of where he needed to be once he lost his stick and there wasn't, you know, didn't win a wall battle, didn't pin anybody. Um, and then, you know, he's, he goes to the corner or goes uh, trying to remember where he went and, and, uh, Tanner Janot, you know, rushes the net, gets a clear pass, a bank shot, Brian Pollock's in decent position and hits off a shin pad. It's a bad luck goal, but, but Char was out there. And something happened with Chara that kind of instigated the entire sequence that led to the goal. And it seems like that's happened an awful lot. It's not just your your anecdotal, I, I don't want to watch this guy play anymore feeling. It, it has actually happened that way. Um, and that's kind of been the one consistent among the defense since those first two games, which were bad for all six defensemen. But I think Andy Green, who was really rough those first two games, has has gone back to being the Andy Green we've seen where he's, you know, fairly uh, invisible is the wrong word, but it's, I mean, it as a compliment. Like you, you don't really notice him when he's out there, uh, which is kind of Andy Green's approaching a thousand games. He's certainly been made his mark in the league, but he's a guy who wants to play the game in a very simple style and not uh, draw a lot of attention, good or bad. So he seems to be back to being Andy Green. Noah Dobson's had some struggles, but I think, you know, he's fairly essential to what they need to do offensively. Um, you know, splitting up Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick has kind of dragged down their really good underlying numbers from la- the last couple of years. Um, but I think, you know, Pellick-Mayfield has been a decent pair. Pollock, I think, has helped Chara out a lot. So I don't think you're going to see that change anytime soon. But I think it also leads into another question, which is if you're breaking up your best pair, your most dominant pair – because you can't you can't see a way that Chara works with any of the other three guys, and that I think lessens the group as a whole. And um, that's another consideration for Barry Trotz and for Lou Lamarillo. You know, we're only a month into the season. You don't usually see a lot of uh, you know they call them deadline rentals for a reason, where you start shopping around for for pending UFAs um, who you might be able to acquire. And Lou Lamarillo 
has his first round pick. I'm sure he's ready to trade it for defense help. But um, it's a bit early, and I don't even think some of the teams that have that have fallen off the map that might have guys that, that fit that bill, you know, the one that jumps out to me is Ben Sherratt in Montreal. The Canadians are bad this year. They just sent Cole Caulfield down. Uh, you know, they seem like they're kind of in retrench mode after making the finals last season. Um, they're in a very difficult division and conference. So you could see them raising the white flag earlier than maybe a few other teams, but that's still a costly guy to get. And you're going to have some competition for a guy like Ben Sherratt. So maybe there's, there is a school of thought if Lou Lamarillo wants to be proactive to say, you say my first round pick is on the table, no matter if it's November 2nd or March 2nd, we want to get this guy and get him in here and get him acclimated quicker than we would at the end of the season. But it doesn't always work like that. I don't think there's a lot of GMs, even one uh, like Mark Bergevin, who may be in kind of a lame duck situation, ready to step away from being Canadian's GM. Um, I don't think they're ready to, to ready to start offloading some of their best players this early in the season. You know, there's some other names out there. Hampus Lindholm, I think, was one that the Islanders in, investigated in the offseason. He's a pending UFA out in Anaheim. But the Ducks have been better than expected. And I think that's the aspect where you set where you get into, geez, you know, how many guys are really going to be available this early? Um, you know, Nick Letty, who they had to they felt they had to give up to create some cap space. Um, he's on an expiring deal, but he's partnered with Moritz Sider in Detroit, who's probably, um, you know, I think he was just named NHL Rookie of the Month. The Red Wings are off to a good start. Mark Stahl is also in Detroit on a one-year deal. Um, but if those are guys that are essential to the Red Wings rebuild and they feel like they can take a real step forward this year, they're not going anywhere just yet. They're not, they're not going to send that message to their fans, to their organization. So I think the trade situation is a little bit dicey right now. If you feel, you know, if the Islanders feel they really need to find some reinforcements to, to make sure that uh, that Char is not exposed as much as he's been. Now internally, I get asked this a lot. What about Sebastian Ajo? What about Sebastian Ajo? You know, it's it's a strange situation for him. He's barely played, even though he's been on the roster pretty steadily for the last couple of years. He got his. Quick look uh, last season when Noah Dobson was out with COVID. Um, it, it seems pretty apparent to me that the Islanders coaches didn't like what they saw from him. And obviously swapping Chara for Ajo means you're trading a guy who, in theory, is much better defensively on the penalty kill than at the other end of the ice, which is where Ajo getting up and down the ice helps you. But I, my own personal view is if Chara's not really contributing enough uh, defensively, and he's been good on the penalty kill, but if, if he is not able to carry his weight five on five, why not go back to a situation that you had last year when the team was operating very well? You can put Ajo with Scott Mayfield. You can put Pelic and Pollock back together. Um, you know, it seems to the, the, the defense slots back into the right spots that you want them to be in. If you can put a guy like Ajo in there, I've been asked about Robin Sallow too, who's been very good in the AHL. Um, but it's still only seven games for him in North America that count. So uh, at leaving, you know, he did have a great training camp. He looked a lot better and a lot further along, I think, than everybody in the organization thought. But that's still uh, – you're still dealing with a Lou Lamarillo run team, you know, and he has said it many times. I'd much rather keep a player, a prospect in the minors too long than too, than too short. And uh, he's, there's lots and lots of examples of that throughout his his management career. So – I don't know that they're going to change that right now if they feel that there's an emergency situation. 
Uh, I do kind of feel like Salo might get preference over Ajo if they were really looking. The, the guy that I think really has kind of not scuttled their plans, but um, Samuel Bulldog's injury, which I, I my understanding is a groin injury that kept him out of most of training camp. Uh, he's back playing now with Bridgeport, um, but he was a guy who took some big strides last season, and I think they felt like if he had a really strong camp, if he had the sort of camp that Robin Salo had, then you've got a guy that you can call up and start to work in He's a big body. He can handle. He can, in theory, handle himself uh, at both ends of the ice. He does provide some offense. It would be a big shock for him to play at the NHL level so quickly into his career. But that's the sort of player I think they envisioned maybe slotting in for Chara if need be. Now you've got Aho Thomas Hickey again. Um, took a skate to the face uh, in his last Bridgeport game. I think he's going to be out a while. Just uh, an incredible run of awful luck for a guy that a lot of people really like and want to see do well. So he seems to be out of the mix. So there's some decisions to be made. If, uh, you know, this week, these three and four, too, uh, the game is starting to get more condensed once they get back going, and maybe that's going to have an effect on Chara as well. So uh, I, I think it's a situation to watch. I don't think they're giving up on this uh, on this scenario right now, but um, I think these next couple weeks are going to be telling. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, for our last segment, let's open up the mailbag. You've got mail. We've got an, an actual Islanders mailbag running at the end of the week, uh, and I've gotten lots of questions that I don't think I'm going to get to all of them, unfortunately. But um, a couple of them, just some topics to hit on, and I'm sure I'll be able to elaborate more uh, with the written word when we get going later in the week. Um, I was asked about some of the prospects at Bridgeport, and to you know, it's. I think it's it's good to note that the sound uh, they're not the Sound Tigers, the Baby Islanders now, the Bridgeport Islanders, uh, also had a rough start to their season. I think they were o two and two. They've won their last three. They've been scoring a lot of goals, which is very rare for the Islanders AHL team going back as long as I can remember. Um, and I think one of the big drivers of that has been Anatoly Goloshev, who. Uh, much like Ilya Sorokin, came over as a mid-20s, uh, long-ago Islanders draft pick after, I believe, it was eight seasons pro in the KHL. He was over, uh, you know, as a kind of a black ace skating with the extras last spring, came back with a one-year contract, a one-way contract, and, um, you know, was a, was not uh, – got in a couple of preseason games and got some, you know, some nice notices from, from Barry Trotz, but uh, there was definitely no room for him. Uh, so he went to the AHL. You know, I don't. I'm not completely sure about there being an out clause for him to go back. But from what I understand, he's ready. He could be ready to go back sooner than later to Russia. And you know, that's that's kind of the the risk you take bringing a guy over. Um, you know, we think back to Kirill Petrov, who uh, came over in a similar situation after playing seven or eight successful years in the KHL, got sent down by Garth Snow when he was here in the mid-2010s, uh, ended up breaking his foot while he was in Bridgeport, went back home after a couple months, never to return. Goloshev, I think, offers them something, though. That's To me, this is the this is the puzzling part. Kiefer Bellows, uh, because of the stomach bug that went around the Islanders' room, got into a couple of games. 
uh, already this season. Didn't show a whole lot. Um, he was fine, I think, was the way that Barry Trotz put it. And if you've ever asked somebody, uh, how are you, and they say fine, it's not really the, the most positive endorsement of how they're doing. So I don't think there was a lot of love for, for what Kiefer Bellows had to offer. And it's it's too bad because he's a guy with, with you know, among their forwards outside of the top 12, he's certainly got the most most offensive skill. It just seems when he's in there that moving his feet has not become a second nature thing. And that's going to hurt you in the defensive end. It's going to hurt you trying to get scoring chances for yourself. You still got a great shot, but um, you know it's just hard to it's hard to get through and get a, get a shot off when you need to if you're not moving your feet to get open. I think Oliver Wallstrom has learned to do that exceptionally well. So that's what separates those two guys. So you've got Bellows who needs waivers. It's fair to wonder, given that he hasn't really been able to stick, would anybody really go out of their way to claim Kiefer Bellows and drop you down a, a young forward? Goloshev doesn't need waivers, so perhaps they're waiting for an injury situation to bring him up. Um, but the clock is ticking with Goloshev, and uh, you know I believe he's got four goals, uh, five points, I think, in six games, six or seven games that he's played so far in Bridgeport. Um, I think he's a guy that's shown, you know, you, when you get a guy in the AHL and he's a point of game player, um, you know, that says to me that they're they they could be in the NHL. Um, and the Islanders have a few guys that are going at that pace down there as well, outside of Goloshev. Otto Koivula, um, who had kind of a struggle last season going up and down, um, has been back to being up down there. I think he's leading the team in points. Um, Michael Delcall, who, um, you know, just has not been able to put it together offensively in the NHL yet, uh, even though he's gotten a pretty good run. Um, he is back to being a point of game player in the AHL, you know, and hopefully that confidence will carry over. I don't know if he's got a future with the Islanders or not, but um, but he's he's clearly got some skill, and uh, you know, time is running out whether he can show it here or not. Uh, and as I said, Salo has been good, so I think you know there's a little bit more push now from the AHL level, especially at the forward position, than there's been, and that's going to put some pressure on Kiefer Bellows, I think, to you know if. If they decide that, you know, whether there's if there's not an injury, um, that situation might have to change or else you're going to see Goloshev leave and that drops you down a guy that you might be able to help you as well. So I don't want to leave out Jakob Skarik, who um, has, you know, been pretty good in the Bridgeport Nets, but I thought was exceptionally good, like took a big step forward in training camp in the preseason from the previous year. You know, uh, he's still a young guy at 22. Um but uh, having a good homegrown, you know, home-developed goalie, and this guy left the check, you know, left the European leagues to come over here for the most part. Obviously, the pandemic has affected that, but he he chose to do his development in North America. Played some games in the in the East Coast League. He's played a, a, now played a, a decent amount of games in the Bridgeport, uh, and I think the the improvement that he showed coming into this season and the improvement he showed in his games is is a positive step for the organization as well. Um. One more question that I got about uh, UBS Arena. There, I think there was a rumor going around on Twitter that uh, it wouldn't be ready for opening night on the 20th. I've been told that is not the case, that it will be ready. I don't know if everything in the building will be perfectly as it's going to be going forward on opening night. But opening night's on the calendar, and the Islanders are going to be there, and the Flames are going to be there. So hopefully the fans will be there too. Um it's uh, the fact that it's now we're into November and it's getting a little closer is definitely more exciting. Um, and I'm curious to see how the Islanders feel at the end of this 
13 game trip, you know, the fact that they're uh, above NHL 500 midway through it, obviously things could go south here. But I think, you know, really to me, 13 points was kind of, I'm sure Barry Trotz was setting the bar a little bit higher, but to me, 13 points, you come out of that situation with uh, 13 or 14 or 15, I think you're setting yourself up for a really good situation. You know, I, I did a story uh, before the, the season began about teams that have had those kind of trips. The last one was was the Rangers in 2013-14, and they came back from their nine-game trip, three and six. Uh, I think there was a lot of questioning of whether they could really be a, a, a top contender. Um, and I think they really got on a roll and were able to get on a roll the back half of the season because they had so many home games. There were there was a lot of consistency to their game. Um, and I think the Islanders' hallmark these last couple of years has been consistency. So, you know, th- there's some definitely some turbulence along the way here. But uh, but they're halfway home. And I think, you know, it, you come out of this, they, you know, the, the last three after this, the, the three and four this week, You've got the Devils and then a trip to Florida where you get Tampa and Florida. And Tampa seems to be rounding into form. So, you know, it's going to be tough. But um, but I think if they can get through it and, again, get through it with the lineup as currently constituted without making any changes, um, then I think you can sort of take a breath and see a path to being a, a, a top four team in the division um, and – you know, kind of holding your holding your fire if you're Lou Amarillo until later on in the season to try to strike and, and make an addition uh, on the trade market or do something with your assets to fix that defense. So, um, and lastly, uh, I've gotten a lot of questions about covering the team, and uh, I just want to quickly address it. We're we're not in a position now to to make any announcements as as an organization, but. Uh, I appreciate all of the comments, Twitter, email, DM, questions submitted to the athletic site for our mailbag about Islanders coverage. And uh, you don't have to trust me, but I've been doing this a long time. And I can say pretty confidently that once we've got this all sorted out, I think Islander fans are going to be really happy with how we cover them. And I'm not, I may be covering the Rangers. I may be on the road with the Rangers at times, writing stories about them. It's not a personal attack. This is the job for now, um, and this podcast isn't going anywhere, so we're still going to have time for the Islanders, uh, stories for the Islanders, and places for you to comment about the Islanders. So, uh, and I think it's, I'm sure it's not the whole the whole audience, but uh, but like I said, I think you'll be happy with how we're going to end up covering this team. So, um, that's what we've got for this week. Like I said, next week, uh, a very exciting guest to talk about Islanders history and Islanders past and present. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Thanks for listening to No Sleep Till Belmont. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. If you're enjoying the show, it really helps us out. Subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, annual subscriptions to The Athletic are just $3.99 a month. Visit theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont. I'm Arthur Staple. Thanks for listening. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.